This is the Recorded Conversations Podcast, the podcast dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in an authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. Okay, so the gist of this today is really simple. What I want to do is I want to take the debacle that is happening with The Daily Wire and Steven Crowder, Louder with Crowder host, and I want to extrapolate it. And what I want to do is I want to show to you how even what seems like a random rich person's problem, it has underpinnings that these devices and these ways that we deal with things can influence and entangle themselves within our relationships. So let me go into more detail about what I mean. And I get it, a lot of people probably aren't even aware of this big spectacle, but what happened was sometime last year, Steven Crowder met with the Daily Wire and what had happened was an offer, not an official contract, but an offer was put out to invite him to join Daily Wire, a $50 million contract, four-year $50 million contract. And apparently it didn't, it wasn't to what Steven Crowder thought he deserved. And further discussions had taken place between him and the CEO, I think his name is Jeremy Boring. And essentially in the end of it, the Daily Wire decided to not renegotiate any new offer and therefore not go into contract with Steven Crowder. So he's silent about it for a while. He comes out in a YouTube video a couple days ago and he wants to, he he can't be quiet anymore and things need to change and it needs to stop. And what he's talking about is without laying, laying claim to the Daily Wire, he goes on to say that contracts such as the one he was offered are big conservative getting into bed with big tech because apparently he didn't like some of the agreements and the conditions of the original offer, which was basically to stay in accordance and alignment with the terms and conditions of any social media platform that the Daily Wire would be using. So anyway, if you're interested in what's taking place, you can head on over to the Daily Wire to listen to the CEO's response or YouTube for Louder with Crowder and you can hear him kind of go off a little unhinged. I want to point out some things that I recognized and I heard just within um, Crowder's presentation that in, in that vein of what I like to do, I like to take what is political and show you that there is an erotic remedy to a political conflict or a social conflict. And that's what I want to do here. And so first off, what I want to say is, and the CEO articulated this in his response to the louder with Crowder 
debacle is that Stephen essentially burned a bridge because an agreement couldn't be made. And I heard that and I instantly thought, oh my God, this is a common conflict within coupledom, isn't it? In that it's like we forget about the art of negotiation. You know what I mean? And Jordan Peterson talks about this a lot, but he's not the only one who's talked about this, especially in the psychological community, about the importance of negotiation within the maintenance of a relationship. We must be willing to negotiate. We must also be willing to adapt. And so in reference to this debacle between Daily Wire and Louder with Crowder, essentially because an agreement could not be formed Stephen just burned the fucking bridge, right? He had a relationship. He had a friendship with the CEO and with many people at the Daily Wire. And essentially because they couldn't come down to an agreement on how to have a partnership and a business deal together, that meant the the severance of their friendship too, as, you know, obviously unfolds as as you, if you watch the spectacle of Stephen Crowder. And I, I just... I thought this was an excellent place to just kind of drop in the importance of negotiation and why we need to be willing to, you know, that old adage, let's agree to disagree. It, it seems like we're coming to a place within our society and the way that we interact with one another and that if we do not have full 100% agreement and alignment with every single feeling we have or every opinion we share or every belief we hold, that must mean the severance of that relationship because somehow it cannot be fruitful if we're not in agreement with everything. And I think that is one of the biggest myths being perpetuated within just social narrations right now in that you need to be like-minded and you need to always agree on the same things and you need to have the same beliefs and principles and values and and you can't negotiate things. And the other thing is, is you know, when we're talking about couples in conflict, we must let go of this expectation that when I come to address a conflict that may or may not need agreement, that definitely requires negotiation, it's not I'm never going to find an instantaneous result. There's never going to be a quick solution, especially to a big conflict. And it seems like, uh, I mean, especially as divorces are on the rise, that like we just get to a point where we've decided, no, I don't, if you either agree with me or we're done or, or we are either in alignment and on the same exact page and feel the exact same way or we are done. And I address what an issue is, and if you don't fix it immediately, then we are done. But when we're struggling with conflicts, the one thing we have to remember is sometimes that conflict patternizes itself throughout our life for a long time, right? And so that means that it has created so many programs and habits that went along with that conflict that we have to allow patience and time to unlearn that pattern, to develop a new pattern so that we can get to a place where, if need be, we find an agreement within our relationship and we make changes and we resolve the conflict. And so here's where my erotic remedy comes in. So when one partner is not open to negotiation and the other is, we still have to figure out how to navigate this without burning a bridge, right? We have to model what being open to negotiation looks like. And the way that we do that is by first just 
restating what we heard the conflict was, right? Restating what we hear to make sure first and foremost, I understood what you meant. I understood what you said. I am I'm letting you know that I did actively listen. This is what I perceived and interpreted. Is this correct, right? And so we, we always want to establish a new conversation, even when we feel like there is no agreement that can be made. So what we have to do is we have to ask ourselves if this doesn't change or if this conflict cannot be resolved, can I still participate in this relationship without feeling like I'm compromising my convictions or my integrity or my my dignity? Because the one thing that we don't want to do within our relationship dynamic, which I I think I saw Steven Crowder doing um, in discussing his his basic burning of his relationship and friendship with the Daily Wire was he really uh, developed an inflated sense of self-worth, right? Believing that only his needs and desires matter. Now, this is a common occurrence within conflicts, within relationships, especially relationships that, that, that start building up resentment, right? Where it seems like we can't even communicate is because we sometimes develop an inflated sense of self-worth and self-importance in that it should be my feelings that come first. And it's it should be my principles and values that are the hierarchy or the standard for how this is going to happen. And we don't want to lose sight of the fact that like when we're in a relationship, we're both of equal value and worth. Both of our feelings matter. All of our needs and desires matter. Nobody's is lesser than the others. And, you know, this happens in, in, in the social uh, stratosphere, particularly when we, you get a lot of attention, right? And what happens is your, your ego gets boosted. Um, within our relationship, if we're given too much attention, our ego can become inflated. And that usually happens in a dynamic where one partner is doing more to adapt and, and to negotiate and sometimes even just make compromises just for the sake of keeping peace. And we don't want to create that dynamic. That dynamic is not fair, right? It's completely unfair. It's unevenly distributed and dignity, honestly. And so this is just one thing that I I pulled from watching um, Steven Crowder, like give his his reasonings behind why he blew up his, his whole friendship and connection um, the way that he did. Um, And then another thing that he talked about, I really thought was important to address as well. And he's making this whole reason that he rejected the contract because he felt like he was being censored. And I recognize that censorship is a very valid threat that is taking place, right? And a lot of people feel this way, like the First Amendment has been under attack, it seems like for the last like 30 years exclusively. And so many of us don't want to have to censor ourselves. And and I'm with you on that. I believe that it's important that nobody controls our voice. In fact, I'm always talking about that. And and I try to remind people, you know, through if even through the use of dystopian literature, how important it is that we speak to what's right. We speak with integrity and we don't let somebody else threaten us 
um, into silence. And I know that Steven Crowder is a proponent of free speech and and adamantly opposed to extreme censorship. Um, but the one thing that I think is most important, and if you listen to the response from the CEO of Daily Wire, he addresses this and that he wasn't asking to censor or control what somebody else was saying, especially Steven Crowder. But, and this is the big, big takeaway here, is you're asking someone to operate within responsible boundaries. And in this case, it was operate within the responsible boundaries of aligning with agreeing to and adhering to the terms and conditions of the social media platforms that would be attached to any form of promotion or endorsement of Daily Wire and Steven Crowder. And so he got all his panties up in a, a bunch over this and basically was like, see, the big conservative movement is acting like big tech and trying to censor everyone and trying to control everybody. But this, and I want to bring this into erotic relationships, is when we ask someone to operate within a responsible set of boundaries, that is not to be confused with the desire to control or micromanage that one person in the relationship, but asking somebody to be responsible for their speech. Right. And I think there is a way to speak out against every injustice in the world without it costing you an audience, without it severing a relationship, without it, you know, offending as many people as possible. And I realize that Steven Crowder's whole thing, right, is is to offend, to offend those that he opposes. And I mean, I've traveled down that street before. I, I've, I went the offensive route. I was trying to be as controversial as possible. But the thing is, is then only so many people are willing to hear what ends up sounding like noise in your fight to be able to say whatever you want to say. You should be able to say whatever you want to say, honestly, because if you really have an understanding of the symbology of words and how literally they don't mean anything, unless you attach meaning to them, then we shouldn't be offended by words. But not everybody operates that way. Not everybody has that same understanding of words, and a lot of people take words personally. So with that being said, there's a big risk on the line here to offer someone a $50 million contract and then be like, be all willy-nilly, do whatever the fuck you want, get banned, get boycotted, get censored, get canceled, da 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 don't worry about it. And the same in a relationship, I think couples try and express a desire for the other couple to be more responsible or mindful with their their words and maybe and I've had this happen to me right where my husband a, a while back years and years ago would you know be like I I don't know about that post honey or I don't know about that tweet or I I don't know about that blog or I don't even know about that podcast that was a bit much right and he wasn't trying to control me he wasn't trying to get me to fit into a box and it wasn't even about he was worried about how that would reflect on him and it was like you're so mature and you're so articulate and there are so many wonderful ways that you could have expressed that and invited more people in to hear the message and and let that resonate with more people but the way that you did it was you know crass or blunt or very controversial or very inflammatory and it's great to be inflammatory because you don't want to be held down by you know conscriptions and and rules and censorship but also how how clear is your message and how how many people will it reach if it you know is just stuck in the controversy box you know one thing that I remember learning basically when I was learning how to unbox from my beliefs is to not get stuck in a new box 
And, you know, Steven Crowder, like a lot of people, especially in Celebrityville, they get stuck in these little niches, right? They get stuck in a box, they get stuck in a groove, they get stuck in a lane, they get stuck attached to certain labels and categories. And you just have to keep playing that song and dance. And I, because it works, but it's like, maybe it worked for a while, you've grown your audience. Now, can you speak to them? I don't know. This is just my take. Can you speak to them more more compassionately and on an erotic level, and a level that's that's interconnective and, and hits on all the dimensions and, and has the potentiality to resonate with so many diverse um, minds rather than just a conservative mind? But when we ask someone to operate within responsibility boundaries, I just want to be clear that that is not trying to control somebody. And it is good within relationships to be able to have the courage to call each other up to a better presentation of themselves, right? And it's good that we have that openness and that and that ability to be honest and upfront and let our partners know that we know maybe you just operate on a low frequency right now. I know you operate on a high frequency. I just want to help elevate you to that frequency. And so we don't have to see our partners offering us constructive criticism or asking us to be more responsible with our words or actions as a form of control. And I just think it's, I just always want to reiterate, there are so many messages and narratives out there that would have you convinced that someone that cares about you and or dares to criticize you must be your enemy because that's just not the case. Okay, so now I want to move on to another topic. And I was on the Daily Wire today, so um, this is all going to sound like I was just sitting in a conservative think tank today. But I really, um, okay, I'm just going to get to the point. So then I start, go watch over to Candace Owens, right? And she's talking about how therapy is bad. And I'm like, okay, I'm willing to listen. I'm I'm a coach. I'm not a therapist. But um I've kind of been thinking about the toxic turn that therapy has taken. And I'm not I'm not I'm not resting on any position. I'm not here to say that therapy is bad or good. I'm not doing any of that, but I like to consider other perspectives. You know that's my shtick. And so basically what she's starting to talk about is that this whole vulnerability movement for men is bad, right? And and that vulnerability and expression of vulnerability and emotional expression of men is, is problematic to society and is creating generations of, she didn't use the word emasculated men, but like sensitive emotional men. And so, you know, I started thinking about that maybe not in tangent with her same shtick because, you know, she talked about like, I want to go back to when I had a grandfather who didn't even shed a tear at my, at, at his grandma and my grandmother's funeral because he just held it all in and let it burn. I don't think that's healthy. I think all humans need to be able to express themselves emotionally when they're feeling overtaken or over, overwhelmed by emotions. I believe that movement of our emotions to get them out of our body and at least verbalized or written on paper is healthy. And and really sometimes that can be enough to just get rid of it, right? Write it out or talk it out. Um, But would I say that 
telling men to be vulnerable is problematic. Now, if you have a very traditional um, hardened sense of what the masculine is and you hold to this idea that men don't cry or men don't go around talking about their emotions or men don't go around expressing every thought and opinion, that's fine. I'm not trying to interrupt that, but I think more so... And this is a this is I see happening with men and women and women is that maybe we've all gotten a bit too comfortable with oversharing. And Candace Owens talks about this too. Everybody overshares and suddenly I have to know every fucking feeling and opinion. And maybe we have gotten into that. And I mean, I think social media kind of exploits that for us, right? Like, what's your reaction? And what's your opinion? And what are your thoughts on this? And how does this make you feel? And, you know... I, I got to a, a point in my own journey where I was like, I think maybe I talk too much. I think maybe I express my opinions too much. I think maybe I pay too much attention to my own feelings and think they mean something. Because here's what I know. Not every feeling needs to be expressed. Not every opinion needs to be expressed. You don't have to feel a certain way about everything that takes place in life. And I think we are inundated with so much to react to, to opine about, to express ourselves about how it makes us feel. And so I don't know, are we hypersensitive? Are, are we hyper emotional? Are we hyper reactive? Probably. And so what's more important is not, not trying to either silence all of your emotions or express everyone, but maybe observing and listening to the the inner narrators in our mind and and to kind of like watch whether or not they build emotionally attaching stories and then seeing that happen and just hitting the delete button before we really react to it or express it or allow ourselves to feel something about it. Um, Because not every feeling, not every thought that we have in our head has to be believed or expressed or validated, right? Because what our brains do is an autopilot background program runs, and it's basically just narrators building stories. And if we're not focused on something, those voices get louder and convince us to entertain and attend to the mind. See, the mind wants us to pay attention to the mind. And so it builds us fascinating, fun, fickle, feeling worthy stories that we can attach ourselves to and then have a whole freaking reaction or response to. And that is, it's just the fun way the brain works. And it's, it's not entirely healthy. It's important that we sit with the feelings, the the ones that we don't want to feel. But I think it's also important to really just regulate and, and observe is this just a feel that is just coming out of nowhere because maybe I'm bored or I'm not focused on something? Or is this expressing something that could be true about my reality? Dis- discernmentship, right? Discernment, sorry, not discernmentship, discernment. We must develop our skills of discernment so that we can recognize when the mind is trying to fool us with fallacy or if the mind is trying to warn us of something um, impending or threatening or dangerous that's about to take place. But I think just retracing back to this, this central question, is vulnerability bad for men? Is it problematic for our society? Is, is the oversharing of emotions and even the demand 
for men to be more emotional, is this going to create a lot of unintended consequences? You know, and and to couple that just with other information that's available out there, right? We're seeing testosterone is decreasing in men, right? And more than that, we're seeing that men are not entering a lot of labor or skilled trade professions. Um, I hear younger men all the time complaining about, I don't want to be a slave to the system. I don't want to do grunt work. I don't want blue collar jobs. I don't want this. And then on the other side, I hear men complaining about love is so hard and I don't want to be hurt and she won't listen to my emotions. And what Candace Owens said was like, I don't want to hear about your fucking emotions. Well, she didn't say fucking. I don't want to hear about your emotions. I want you to keep that to yourself. But it seems like With the male suicide on the rise, especially in the United States, there's something at play here. And maybe it is because men were so fearful of being vulnerable that they just ended their lives because maybe they couldn't handle the fact that they couldn't keep it in. I don't know. I don't know. So if you have ideas or you just want to opine on this, you know, Please be sure to drop comments down wherever you're viewing this because I I enjoy feedback and I'd love to engage with you. But I don't know. This is a question I actually want to bring my husband back on the show for to address Um, because he's he's expressed some uh, sentiments about, you know, sometimes I think men today just need to be told to put their big boy pants on. And I kind of agree with that. Sometimes I find myself saying that to my own son. Now, my son also did try and end his life in March of 2022. He he failed. Um, but whether or not that had to do with because he was being too vulnerable or not vulnerable enough, I don't know. I don't know if just because the idea of suicide has been so popularized um, that more people are contemplating it. I don't know because I know when I was younger, suicide wasn't really talked about a lot. And it was, it, you didn't hear about it a lot. It, it didn't happen to someone you know, but obviously the stats have changed. But even with my son who went through that experience and I worried for months about, can I still be, you know, the tough love mom? Can I still take the tough love approach that I do with my son? Um, what do I do when I notice he's getting overwhelmed by his feelings? You know, do I have to change the way I deliver my messages to be more considerate of his emotional vulnerability, right? And I don't know. I don't know. But I know now that I have still seen myself be both tough and supportive and encouraging and maybe a little reserved. Um, is that going to serve him well? I don't know. So here I am just thinking out loud about this, of inviting you to, you know, comment and and if you have advice on this or if this has resonance with you, I, I'd love to hear it. But, you know, just from from that perspective, for me, my own experience with suicide, with vulnerability in men, you know, the other thing is, is I work with my son um, very closely to make sure that he is granted a space to be able to express himself And I do so without judging him. And I do so with just trying to understand where he's coming from. And of course, I offer him guidance and support and resources um, to overcome those internal uh, struggles that I think we all deal with. We just deal with it in a different way. So I don't know. Just 
just me opining here. And also, hi, I'm sorry it's been so long since I put out a podcast. I just got other stuff going on that I've been more focused on. And I'd like to get back more into a routine of possibly weekly podcasts. Um, working that out somewhere in between, you know, the coaching and the clients and, and the rest of my life. So um, really some perspectives for you to consider. Let me know what you think. And until next time, take care.